Welcome to Well Examined, the podcast where science and discovery meet intuition and wellness with your host, Christine Dynes. Each episode, I'll chat with the best minds in integrative epigenetic health, biohacking, neuroscience, quantum healing, and lifestyle design, as well as a slew of reputable citizen scientists across all facets of wellness. friends. Today we are joined by Hannah Went and Dr. Jeff Drobot. Hannah is the co-founder of the epigenetic testing platform, True Diagnostic, and host of the podcast, Everything Epigenetics. You all know Dr. Drobot, founder of the Biomed Centers in Scottsdale and New England, and the newly debuted cognitive longevity platform, Cerebral Fit. Because of my work essentially surrounds epigenetically upgrading in family lines, I became particularly intrigued by how True Diagnostic testing can track trait expression and methylation status. What's significant about true diagnostic is how I've been able to follow this data across time, really allowing me to even further personalize client protocols. And because Dr. Drobot specializes in restorative longevity personalization through the biological medical lens, he began incorporating true diagnostic testing as well. So I wanted to bring us all together in conversation today. And there's something a little bit different and special about today's episode, it's completely audience driven. So a huge thank you to everyone who helped me shape this conversation by sending in all of your thoughtful questions. So welcome, Hannah and Dr. Drobot. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Christine. Super excited. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're a newbie. So Dr. Drobot, she's new. We have to ask her the question, what her ikigai is. So Hannah, take it away. Yeah. So I... I actually, when we chatted before this, Googled, you know, what is an Iki guy? And then realized that I've seen that image of, you know, the the Venn diagram and all of the circles before actually on Twitter. And I love this question. I think it's great. It's really combining, you know, your passion, your profession, your vocation, your your mission. So I would say, you know, with the space I am today and and my passion, I'm really driven toward you know, education and and letting people know what epigenetics is and what this means, but not only education, um, really just trying to help people understand that they can improve their own health and and they have the tools to do it, right? It, it becomes very simple when you take your life in your own hands and, you know, you, you push down on that gas pedal and really uh, sh- what I like to call shift your methylation markers in your favor. So, I'm sure we'll get into that today with everything we have to chat about, but really helping people, yeah, understand that that they're in, in control. I love that. Well, I think we can all agree on that. And something else that the three of us definitely all agree on is we want everyone to know that aging is optional. <laughs> Dr. Drobat teaches his patients and clients about biological age in terms of environmental debits and credits. I love this concept. So with a true diagnostic test in the picture, we don't have to guess about what's influencing each side of this ledger. So let's start today's conversation by talking about how epigenetics is an integral piece of how we practice biological medicine today. So Dr. Drobat, will you set the stage for everyone? When you're discussing longevity and biological aging, what do these debits and credits really represent? So I, I we turned a we coined a term called age accounting because everybody, you know, was like, well, I'm, I'm doing all these biohacking and Hannah knows. I mean, she gets a question all the time. What can I do to make the number less? Which means my chronological age stays here, 
I need my biological age to decrease because that would be well aging or that would be anti-aging is a terrible term because we're all going to get the chronological age is going to continue, but the cellular age can be influenced by a number of therapies and lifestyle and diet and and things that we know. So when we say debit and credit, just like a, a bottom line or your investment portfolio, we always want to get more money in the bank. And for a, from a cellular perspective, and kind of inverse because we want to get, you know, less age on our cells so that they can go longer. People understand that. So when we're talking about debits and credits, you know, we're saying what is going to detract from that number, the bottom line, which would be biological age and what's going to, you know, add to that, which would be accelerated aging, which again would be, um, would be some factors. So it's, it's kind of an easy form factor for people to understand in the sense that in the world of counting, uh, we have things that cost us and things that add. And so that's just the, the easiest lateral that we're able to make out of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So to build off of what Dr. Drobot is describing, Hannah, why don't you introduce listeners to what epigenetic variables are taken into account with the core reports with true diagnostic, then we'll get into trait reports. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was a great way to explain that Dr. Drobot. That was, that was really nice. I had never heard anyone, you know, describe it in, in that way with your, your credits and your debits. So trademark, Hannah, trademarked, trademarked, <laughs> trademarked. Yes. Important, important side note there. Um, but yeah, Christine, that becomes really interesting because you know, there, there are a lot of different epigenetic, well, let me just back up. There are a lot of different ways to measure biological age, right? Um, we know from the literature and the research right now that the best way to measure your biological aging is through these epigenetic methylation markers we're looking at. So these modifications to your, your DNA and under that epigenetic methylation umbrella, there are a lot of different algorithms or different types of aging our, our body is going through, right? We're aging on a cellular level, a tissue level, an organ level, a system level. So it becomes really specific and, and you, you get more into the bioinformatics side of things and, and algorithmic creation of these, these things. But here at True Diagnostic, we measure really two types of biological aging. Um, one of them being your intrinsic and one of them being your extrinsic, both equally important. Maybe one of them is more important to you know, certain listeners, depending on the outcome of interest or, or what they really want to know from the testing. So to define those, your intrinsic epigenetic age is going to be your baseline fundamental aging process. So it's this pure aging signal. It's this, you know, if anyone comes up to you and asks you what your biological age is, the, the number you would want to give them is this intrinsic age. It's, it's really this, you know, a baseline process of how your, your cells are aging at that, that cellular level. Now, when we get into extrinsic epigenetic age, this is a little different. This is actually the age of your immune system. So, you know, how are your immune cell subsets actually changing as you become older chronologically? That's, that's what the, the extrinsic epigenetic age is answering. So again, we just call that the, the immune age. Those are two overarching biological ages we offer. I like to call those historical-based aging processes. So really, it, it, it's an accumulation of how you've been aging since your inception, uh, so to speak. Um, so, Christine, I'll pause there if there's there's any you know insights, but but I think I have one, uh, maybe one or two other ages to to go into if you'd like. 
yeah, go for it. Keep going. This is Perfect. so intriguing. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, uh, the third I'd love to mention, and by far my favorite, this is going to be the Dunedin pace of aging. Um, you know, if you recognize that word, you probably know the the study, but th- this is actually a algorithmic uh, interpretation we license from Duke and Columbia University. They are uh, what what this is going to tell you is how quickly you are aging biologically for every one chronological year. So unlike the intrinsic and extrinsic I just chatted about, which again I call historical based aging processes, this is telling you, you know, are you currently aging? Are you going in the right direction or are you going in the wrong direction? So it's more of a validation check. It's like a speedometer. You know, are you again, the turtle or are you the hare? In this case, we want to be the turtle, um, right? We want to slow our, our aging. So I that's that diagram that you guys have there with the turtle and the hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually you think, you know, you want to be the hair or, or always go a little bit faster and win the race. But as we know, aging is we don't want to become older biologically. It's it's the race that, you know, sh- should not be won. You don't want to cross that finish line. So what Dr. Drobat and I are always talking about are these more, uh, you know, what the layperson would look at as your negative epigenetic variables, such as pollution, food sensitive, food sensitivities, you know, your viral load, neural inflammation. So before Hannah gets into the nitty gritty about the trait reports, Dr. Drobat, let's consider cellular cellular milieu and we can offer context for the importance of this data in biological medicine we know you know that when the integrity of the cellular membrane is compromised so is its metabolic functioning so we describe this as decreased cell membrane potential with lowered potential what can happen to the cells how do you explain that to a patient well just like in a, a rechargeable battery you know as when we're young I mean, everybody can understand the, this healing. They remember when they, you know, did a, a heavy lift, heavy workout or, or any workout, or even we'll just take a, a funny thing like a hangover. Everybody can associate this. And obviously cells that have more energy. And obviously as we get older, you know, cells will cells will lose a little bit of energy or electricity. And that's some of the biohacking things that we want to do. We want to obviously increase the voltage in the cell. So over time, you know, younger people have more electricity than us older people, and they have different cells and different mitochondria. So the whole goal would be the younger you can make a cell or the more things that you can do to make that cell electric or energetic and exercise is one of the things that Hannah will know. Well, everybody will will say, like, what should I do? And the, the common denominator will be movement. You know, the, the more you can get exercise or the more voltage you can get in the cell overall, when you do that for a longer period of time, the younger it can be. Now, a lot of times people are looking for the cheat. So that's when we come with, you know, PEMF and some of these other things and hyperbaric and, and things that can really increase voltage on a cell membrane and essential fatty acids and good nutrition. And it goes on and on. In the end, if you make better cells, you make a better body. And when you make a better body, you know, you have a, uh, you have better machinery and, and that will reflect in the test to show that you actually can get, you know, at least chronologically and biologically the same. But as Hannah said, I mean, it, it's a tremendous result on the immune system or the intrinsic age, but overall um, those lifestyle things do obviously pay dividends when you're looking at somebody 70 that didn't maybe take care of themselves and somebody that's 70 that did take care of themselves. You get to see it in, you know, from the, you get to see it in the, the latter decades, the the wear and tear and the rust on the cells, you really get to see it physically and 
mentally and and obviously medically you get to see it oh the rust on the cells <laughs> so- life is life is rusty you know life is life is inflammatory we'll just we'll leave it at that yeah in my early days being in neuroimmunology i wish i had had true diagnostic testing so based on what dr drobot is describing hannah can you help listeners understand how trait expression reports discern where we're at now as well as where we're heading and maybe expand on this through the lens of methylation, because I think methylation has become the common denominator that across the board in medicine and in biohacking and lifestyle rejuvenation, people understand that term. Yeah. And and just to clarify that as well, uh, Christine and Dr. Drobal, are you all referring to like more of the, the characteristic based, based reports that true diagnostic offers? Like, yes. You know? Yes. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So um, I will talk about smoking, um, first and, and, and then, uh, yeah, our, our, our newest alcohol and drinking report. So these are very new They're again, more fun characteristic based reports. Um, but they tell us a lot about our health. There is not a stronger signal that you can find. Um, there's not a stronger signal you can find than there is between one with, with smoking cigarettes and, and tobacco, um, with methylation. There just will not be the, the evidence is super clear. So by looking at one marker, um, it's actually on the AHRR gene. If you have, um, more methylation there, that's great. You want that gene to be turned off. Um, right. Because in, in the sense of DNA methylation, I'm talking about, we're talking about, remember expression of genes. We're not talking about genetics itself, like the MTHFR and, and comp T gene. So on this smoking loci, you want this AHRR gene to have more methylation. That means you are, uh, you know, considered a non-smoker and you are at low risk of developing smoking related conditions. So, um, you know, again, th- that report's not necessarily related to aging in any aspect. However, we know if you are a smoker, that greatly affects your biological aging process, right? So that's that's one insight we can tell you from our trait reports. I love that. It's so interesting because obviously we know all about the blue zones and how uh, certain people have obviously smoked their lungs out <laughs> in Europe forever in these blue zones. And then they come to the United States and they have all these other epigenetic exposures and suddenly methylation starts to shift. And now we have true diagnostics and we can say, okay, well, here, here's your data point. Have Correct. You had opportunity to uh, get into any hot debates with any Europeans about this one in particular. <laughs> um, not yet, um, actually. Um, but we'll we'll see. You know, I, I do a lot of these report reviews, and funny enough, I've never actually seen anyone who's been like in the red area or a current smoker. Um, obviously, true diagnostic is testing a very healthy population, so that's very key information to understand. Um, the good thing about this the smoking signature, though, that I do want to mention is you could be a former smoker. And it could be reversed, right? That's the beauty of, of epigenetics and methylation. You can mitigate these factors. So yes, we have had people actually who admit and say, oh, I was a smoker, you know, 20 to 40 years ago or so. Um, but you can actually see that methylation change. Again, you can reverse those risks. You can mitigate those risks, but haven't haven't gotten into, into any arguments yet. <laughs> so Dr. Drobot, based on the biological, um, you know, medical tests that you use to show toxicity levels, you know, different exposure, environmental exposures, 
Have you had an opportunity to talk about methylation yet with some of your patients who are doing true diagnostics to show how the needle is moving? Well, they, yeah, because we're in the, you know, now we get to, now we get to do second and third testing. So when we do, you know, what I said, age accounting, we get to do a, a number of tests. So anything that's inflammatory, like Hannah said, smoking is just the easiest one, right? We obviously know that that creates free radicals and then we create damage and then we damage DNA. And then the more damage we end up getting, I mean, the longer it lasts on us. So we know that one, but then we have, of course, a whole slew of environmental toxicities, a whole slew of viral infections, a whole slew of food sensitivities. And then we throw mental, emotional stress on that and hormone depletion. And we get to get, you know, a, a wonderful picture of, as I said, the debits and credits. And of course, everybody wants to know how, can, how I can reverse that. And, and a lot of people are left with like, oh, you're taking away my life. And it's like, no, 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 I'm actually adding to your life. But when we're looking at man-made things, right, internal versus external, there's certainly a lot of things you can do to generally decrease inflammation. Obviously, quitting smoking is an easy one. But then we have all the environmental toxicities and we have, nobody wants to say EMF radiations, but we have inline viral infections and we can track all these things. And, and you know, the wonderful thing is everything is malleable. If you have the tools and the trades to do it, and you have the diligence to do it, which isn't that hard. You know, unfortunately, when we're doing biological age, as Hannah said, most of these people are healthy. And a lot of times motivation exists with a diagnosis and it shouldn't. You know, that's why these tests are very nice because, you know, dying is a pretty good diagnosis too. You know, dying is a good motivator. I think that's probably the best one. If we would say like, what is the number one risk factor of death? It would be aging. You know, we can just say that. And then we will understand that, you know, the end result is like, can you add a lot of good years on your life or can you add a lot of good years on your performance? And the uh, the answer is pretty simple now. I know you mentioned blue zones and it's like, well, we know from those areas, if we go ahead and remove a lot of man-made influences and these people just drink wine, smoke and laugh all day, they do pretty well. But then when we put them in our fishbowl, they don't do well at all. So we get to, um, we get to see that there's a number of factors and and we always call these bioaccumulation factors where, you know, maybe one thing isn't enough, but when you put us in this environment, it's 20 things. And instead of one plus one equals two, oftentimes when we're putting those factors together, one plus one equals 20, which means it's weighted heavily against you. So, you know, as we go through these cleaning up the environment, which ends up being your body, you know, you get to, you get to tolerate things. And as Hannah says, cells, you know, cells and and genes, they, they react pretty favorably to these things. Like the body is built for like a lot of forgiveness and the seasons would come and they would change the environmental inputs and we get a different output. And so now, um, now as we're going through, you know, second and third testing and we're getting, we're getting better at kind of figuring out what moves the, the needle. We always, we already knew it. We just needed a test like Hannah's test to show us a metric to say, yeah, you know, it's a good idea, right? It's a good idea to, to move that backwards and to maybe add some things and get rid of some other things so that you end up with a with a better score. Well, Hannah, at the Biomed Center, you know, we're joking saying that some of our people there should basically enter the biological age contest that you're all holding because biological medicine really does move the needle uh, pretty quickly compared to a lot of other modalities. 
Dr. Drobat's co-founder at Biomed, he, uh, you know, he's 82 chronological years young, but his bio age is a handful of years less. And he's been doing, you know, Dr. Drobat can speak uh, more specifically on what therapies he's been doing over the years. But, you know, he does personalized IVs, blood ozone, oxygen therapies. You know, he's nebulizing nutraceuticals, taking personalized homeopathics, et cetera. Um, but something that you know, is, is paramount is that not everyone has been down this path yet and many are just starting out. So how can true age really empower people who are, you know, I just turned 45 the other day or people who are 50 or 60 to really take charge of preventing cognitive decline disease processes. This literally is always the most popular question that I know Dr. Drobot gets. Um, that's why he developed all the, you know, cognitive tools that he has, but we just keep, getting asked, how am I going to prevent cognitive decline? How am I going to prevent the tangled diseases? So what do you, you know, what do you say to people for that, Hannah? Yeah. Uh, and happy late birthday, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but this is a great question. And let me just talk about it a little bit in generalized terms. And I can bring it back to, you know, cognitive decline to everyone listening out there who is not sure if they're right for this test or thinking, oh, I'm too old. It's too late. It is not. Um, it is never, you're, you're, you're never too young, uh, to take this test, never too old to take it. You're, you're again, it's just a pivotal point that, that this testing needs to be, um, uh, you know, in the standard line of care, because what happens is if you, and I can send you this, uh, image, Christine, if you want to put it in the show notes or something is the age at which disease is diagnosed is typically when we're between our forties and our sixties. When that disease is diagnosed and you're starting to have uh, phenotypic outwards expression, or even if, especially even if you have organ damage, you are not going to be able to fully reverse that. All right. That's, that's pretty much set in stone. However, if you, you know, take this test and identify any type of advanced aging, you're able to, again, reverse those using, you know, some of those interventions that you listed or some things that Dr. Drobot does at his center. So the, you just have power in being able to change these markers. And it's, I always say it's a heck of a lot easier to prevent rather than intervene when the disease diagnosis has already happened. So, you know, if you're 40, 50, 60, and you think you're relatively healthy, still take the test, right? We, we can't tell how you're aging biologically by just looking at you. There, there may be, you know, some phenotypic features, features there. Um, but I, I really just encourage people to take the test, find out, and then get with your trusted healthcare provider on a plan and in way to, to reverse that set clock. Now, when we're talking about it more in these, these cognitive terms, um, we see a lot of cognitive diseases, you know, associated with advanced aging. Um, so again, being able to just identify early aging, maybe take a more of a preventative approach, you're able to delay that onset of the disease. So it's not only about lifespan, right? How long you live on this planet. It's, it's currently said that the person who's going to live to 150 years old um, for the first time is currently walking on the earth. Um, mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, I don't want to live uh, until I'm 150 if I'm not able to, you know, walk my dog or walk to the restroom. Um, so it's all about health span too, is my point, right? You do not want the disease diagnosis to start at 40 to 60 like it's typically doing. You want to push that off until you know, ideally never, but un until you're like 80 or a hundred years old. So it's, it really just comes back to preventative medicine. And I think, uh, Christine. Yeah. Dr. Droba, 
and you speak the same language insofar as these <laughs> debits and credits. And, you know, Dr. Drobat has all these uh, great little quotes about man gives away money, you know, to go party and <laughs> do all these crazy things. And then man gives away more money to get his health back. Right. And so I think that true diagnostic fits into the biological medical model so perfectly because it's epigenetics. It's the frequency of life. You're like you said, you're never too young. You're never too old. It's always right on time. And then Dr. Drobot, like you just said, now we can show people over and over again and help build their confidence that, well, I mean, might sound cheesy, but they've got something to live for <laughs> overall. I mean, Dr. Drobot, are you finding that people are starting to be kind of blown away by, uh, you know, showing them these results with true diagnostics and that they can prevent cognitive decline? Well, I think when they, everybody's used to standard medical testing, which is it's kind of interesting now, right? Where we're no news is good news. <laughs> and then that's always been the mantra, right? Like an apple a day, no news is good news. And you can kind of keep these things at, at, at bay, maybe. I mean, but nobody, then all of a sudden it'd be a surprise, right? Like, oh, you, Jim was doing so well last year. And then this year he was like diagnosed with, you know, five diseases. And it's like, well, then Jim wasn't doing that well last year. Like, let's be honest. Like, a lot of these diseases are 30 year processes, you know, 30, 40 year processes that were coming on. And we can, now we can track these things. Maybe in conventional medicine, we don't do that, but definitely we have the, like in science we do. And so it's always like medicine and science and technology don't always line up. And I think the, you know, for the end user when naming the patient, and it's kind of nice now that you can self-select like people that are interested in their health can self-select to do a little bit better monitoring than just a, a physical once a year and cross your fingers for the next 364 days and then mm -hmm. hope hope that's going to go okay because it, it just won't you know the environment is is far too taxing to be able to do that so yeah long short answer to that question obviously is you know the more people know and the less they get scared by the way right everybody is a little fearful of testing because it's always been like ooh don't want to get a diagnosis instead of like a direction. You know, there's a difference between a diagnosis and a direction. And so when we're looking at this, it's like, now let's use testing to get a better direction of maybe what you're doing, what you shouldn't do. Because a lot of people, half, I'm going to say half of the, my patients are doing a lot of things that probably are not beneficial. And they're trying to do it with benefit. And it ends up being as a detriment. And by the end of it, they spent time and money and they're doing these crazy things. And you're like, you're really stressing yourselves. So stop doing it. Um, and it, it, you know, the more that we can get information, the less scary we make it. I mean, the more beneficial it is. And of course, the first test is not the important test. The second test, the third test, fourth test, those are important tests. Absolutely. Because Mm -hmm. You're doing, then you get a plan. Like you got to work with people and you got to, you got to get planned because as Hannah says, like these will be very individual, right? They're not like you're testing a bunch of dogs and you're going to see like, Hey, let's, what do we feed these dogs? It's like, everybody is really individual. And when we do our battery of testing, you know, even in my robot longevity profile, when we're doing a lot of these testings, like there's not really two people that are going to be the same. So when we're talking about performance medicine, right? Which is a little bit different. We're trying to say like, how do we dial these things in to run your system the most efficiently? And then once it runs efficiently, how do we cheat to maybe make it run optimally? And again, that, 
there's those are two different conversations. So then how do you answer, how would you both answer the question then uh, that everybody obviously wants to know how often somebody should be testing? You you know, so you have people who have healed from a serious diagnosis or you have people who don't ever want to hear anything labeled and they just want to look at, you know, a true diagnostic test. Maybe they'd rather hear the word inflammation, but they don't want to hear rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. right? So how would you both answer that? Hannah, you go first. Perfect. Yeah. And Dr. Jervo, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, this, this testing is like very popularized right now because it's this, this big buzzword and sure your first results may be cool. Right. But the, and, and give you some insight, but I just can't stress testing longitudinally enough. Uh, Dr. Drobot, that's why I love your program. I love everything you do in your practice and your center. Um, I just think your, your point of care is amazing. So wanted, wanted to say that, but, um, you know, in terms of the, the retest window, we, we really offer two products. The, the first product True Diagnostic offers is called the, the True Age Complete. That is going to include everything. The, you know, the, the big kahuna, it's going to be like your, your base test. So I encourage everyone to do that one first. Um, if you wanted to, you could retest that one every six, six months. Um, I'd probably edge a little bit more on the 12-month mark to give your body enough time to make these changes and then to see a reflection of methylation um, from those changes and not just noise, you know, from, from the algorithms themselves. However, the Deneen didn't pace algorithm I mentioned, and, and that I'm such a huge fan of, we, we offer a, 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 a smaller kit, I should say called true age pace, which just offers the Deneen didn't pace and then the telomere length report. Um, you could actually retest that one every eight to 12 weeks if you really wanted to, because those algorithms are so precise. So, um, it depends, you know, how, how bought in are you, right? If you're someone who absolutely wants to optimize their aging process, there is no reason you shouldn't be doing that true age pace test every eight to 12 weeks. Because even if your pace of aging is so low, you have to maintain that, right? We, we need to know what is affecting you at a personalized N of one level. So th that would at least be my recommendation, but would love to hear Dr. Drobot from more of a clinical standpoint. Well, Dr. Yeah, Drobot, don't our clients and patients kind of have this own competition with themselves. They're always asking, okay, is it time? Can I do it again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, they, I... Have, they have the Olympics, you know, the biological age. It just gets crazy in the end. You know, again, it's, it's, it's funny because it's the person that does not the most, but the person that does the most corrective things for themselves that end up can change the pace. Sometimes it's like, you know, you look at the I see high performers, right? So it's going to change, like even athletes. And when we look at an athlete, we'll say, well, they must be the healthiest people. No, 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 they're not, right? They're under a tremendous amount of stress and a tremendous amount of oxidative stress because of training. So when you can look at these things every three months and you can then, you know, you're trying to do test and, and retool and retest. And so people, um, people tend to like, when it gets to be the biological age Olympics, they're just piling things on. And so it's always good to show them like, uh oh, like more isn't sometimes not better. And the same is it's really good to show them like Hannah will know, you know, some people be like, hey, I saw this telomere test like these Israeli study with these hyperbarics. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 I'll show you, you know, let's go ahead and do 20 hyperbarics and then we'll show you what it did. And so you can definitely, you know, 12 weeks, as long as the person understands that it's fluid, 
right? It's not a competition, right? There's sometimes where you need to buy a new car and you look at your bank account and you're like, thank goodness I can buy a new car. But it might change these things for the next three to six months. But the goal is to always um, have a number that's not necessarily the best, but have a number that's better than where you started. And so that's that's intervention. Sometimes you're going to go under stress and it's a good thing to see like, how did I react to that? You know, or sometimes you're going to go under a big workload and you're like, how did I react to that? So I like retesting. I think that's always a, a wonderful thing because it keeps people even uh, mental, emotionally in check to be like, you know, you're outpacing life, you know, and, and you will outpace life. Like if you continue on that hair on fire and trying to undo some things, sometimes you just can't change the fundamental things because a lot of people be like, well, if I do uh, 50 of these supplements, I bet it's going to change. And I'm like, let's see. And then if it doesn't, you still have to come back to some of the major things where you're like, look, like sometimes adding things isn't going to get it done. Sometimes you need to take things away. But it's a it's a very good reminder of like, hey, why don't you step on the scale again? Because like what you tried to do, like, I don't think it worked. And so at least that way, you know, by the third or fourth test, you know, humans are mammals, like we're animals. We get to be, you know, we get to figure out like what zones am I living in and, and what do I need to do to maintain what I want? Well, speaking of adding things, neither of you would be surprised to hear that one of the listeners' questions was, um, you know, they were intrigued by the positive effects of rapamycin on epigenetics that's noted in so much of the literature right now. And one listener specifically asked, uh, forget about the literature. <laughs> have you seen a significant amount of reproducible, reproducible clinical results and have they been lasting from taking rapamycin? So are either of you looking at that right now? Yeah. So I would say, I know a lot of true diagnostic healthcare provider uses, uh, users are using rapamycin, um, you know, probably around six milligrams once weekly. That is you know, dosing that's really been made up. We don't know if, if that's a great threshold, right. It's kind of arbitrary. Um, I have healthcare providers telling me they've been doing it for years themselves because they say, Hey, why not? You know, it's probably not hurting. I don't know if it's helping. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the goal being, you don't want to over, uh, or, you know, you don't want to become too immunosuppressed essentially, right? Because it's an FDA approved drug for, um, you know, organ uh, transplantations. So um, there's probably a fine line there that you don't want to cross. Uh, I give it to my dog. I have a big Bernice Mountain dog. They they only live, you know, six years or so. Um, and it's, you know, shown in research to improve their lifespan by about 30%. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. I give it to her about once weekly as well, six milligrams. Um, I do actually give her the, uh, rap immune instead of the rapamycin, which seems to be better in terms of its bioavailability. So I think what we might see that shift start to happen. Unfortunately, there are not any interventional clinical trials with rapamune or rapamycin in looking at epigenetic markers. So um, there, there is a trial out there called the PEARL trial, just the P-E-A-R-L, where they're looking at rapamycin and longevity. Unfortunately, I think they've had some issues with funding. So I think that's been, you know, stopped and started and, and paused and, and kind of been all over the place. So, you know, I, I know they're collecting samples and holding them. So unfortunately, you know, I don't have any 
clinical trials I can point you to. I know a lot of people are doing it, you know, from a metadata analysis scale internally, looking at people, you know, very uncontrolled who are taking rapamycin in their epigenetic methylation. It may look promising, um, but, you know, I can't give, unfortunately, a, a scientifically back definitive answer there. <laughs> no, that's okay because literally this person, I know who this person is you know, <laughs> on a personal level and they, you know, they're just saying what's going out there, what's going on in the world, right? Forget about some of the data in the background. For me, it's so interesting because when I actually got into genetics and epigenetics, it was because of a really young patient who was being, well, who was about to be misdiagnosed. Um, they're going to diagnose him with leukemia. And he ended up having something called Fanconi anemia. And he used rapamycin based on some epigenetic testing we were able to get for him to help with transplantation. So it's just so interesting, the trajectory of where certain things have gone over the years. This wasn't that long ago, but how fast and how quickly we're aggregating all this new data, um, you know, in our experimental world here. Dr. Droba, are you seeing any of your longevity-driven patients coming to you asking about rapamycin right now? Well, I mean, I, I I do, and it's um it's always hard because people follow trends, right? So they want to take they want to take one thing, and as I said, they just want to do it in isolation, and they they kind of want to study themselves, and of course, that's not what I do, right? So I, I mean, I I take because you can't just do one thing. I like to do multiple things and and on a systemic level, like people say, well, how do you get all these good results? And the, you know, what's your protocol? And it's like, I don't have a protocol. Like you're not understanding what we do. You know, we have so many different pieces of tech and so many different pieces of biochemistry that when you do the initial testing and you, you get to see a person, you know, it's not like, um, it just doesn't generalize or translate well. Now I'm sure people take a ton of rapamycin and they'll look back and then they'll say, ah, maybe that did something. And I'm like, yeah, but did it, you know, whereas like, you know what the, the best thing is like not eating, right? Like that's probably the, the best thing for longevity is, and people are like, well, I'm, I'm just not going to eat. I'm like, okay, that is like this, this is now the conversation's going into crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we, we missed the point to say there's research, right? So you take some research and you say, you know what? Animals are fast. Like they'll, they'll live the longest. And you're like, well, yeah, but that's like, I don't want to be a mouse. And so when we look at some of these other things and we're doing off-label things, then we, you know, in my business, instead of pharmacology, we use physiology. So then I know Hannah can't say it, but then when we're saying like hyperbaric and B cell and stem cell and exosome, I mean, these things that have profound effects, you know, you get a multitude of reactions when they, synergistically work together i mean they affect a bunch of cells and that's the end job is that you're trying to feel you're trying to influence a bunch of cells to do younger things which means you have to create an influence to not have them take on so much stress and also influence them on a different level to maybe even reverse that amount of stress or reset some of that and the you know net net of it ends up being you know, an overall younger system, which will mean a younger cell. So I think we'll see a lot of these things come out where we take one thing in isolation. And then because like if exercise was in a pill, everybody would take it. 
right? And they'd say, well, this is the best thing that happened to me. And I'm sure if like fasting was in a pill, everybody would take it. So, you know, I'm not so concerned about biochemistry because that's a, that's a cross your fingers and hope. Um, I'm more like interested in systemic, systemic like therapies for systemic results. And I think those move the needle as far as my practice goes much better than, you know, a couple of these little chiclets that we take sometimes, but can't hurt might help. I guess is what I'd say. Yeah, we have a lot of mad scientists out there we can all agree on for sure. Yeah, I think that's, and people are trying, you know, like it's again, you know, the data, like sometimes the data gets overrun by like, how do you feel? You know, so my patients, I mean, this isn't in like six months. This is in like the year one, year two, year three, you know, it looks really good. You know, the best example that I had was my mother okay my mother who's she'll she will not even tell you her age because her age is timeless that's what we'll basically call her and she doesn't have an age she's timeless. <laughs> but everybody used to make fun of us growing up because when my you know we took vitamins from life extension when i was in grade like six five and so that was a million years ago i'm 48 so my mom practice these things in some form or another meditation went to meditation classes when I was six. So she always had these small practices, but she was a professor. And so now when you look at her and you see her level of activity and you see what she's able to do at the age that she is, you would be, you know, blown away. And then she took us for the ride and she took me, you know, my dad for the ride. And then you get to see like over time, like these, these people do perform a whole bunch differently because they were doing differently and not because it was one thing, but because they kind of figured out like, what are the, you know, in a general aspect, what are big things I should do to get big results later? Because we're all like crossing our fingers, hoping that again, like with your dog hand and you're like, Hey, if I can tack on, but we wouldn't really know. Right. But I mean, right. Like, we're just going to, we're just going to go with this because the research says maybe it can. And I'm like, I like to get a little bit more muddy and I like to dig into it and say like, my patients come to me because they want it. Like they want to feel it too. Right. Yeah. So they want to be, be able to get the result. And I know you can't say it, but I can. <laughs> Some of the other therapies where it's just like, I, you're tied to something and I am not, I'm not tethered to anything. And I yeah. can be like, look, when you do multiple things that work synergistically, just the same as if you do multiple terrible things, they work synergistically, like smoking plus like, I'm not going to like, we'll say trans fats plus stress plus environmental toxicity is far worse than just smoking. You know, and again, it's on a, it's on a factor. So we can always say what's aging you, but then people always want to know the magic of what you know, what can reverse that. And that is, um, it's going to say that's a, that's a individual formula that everybody can find for themselves and get comfortable with it and then just run their machine and it'll work beautifully. Well, Dr. Drova, I think you kind of just answered the next person's question, but I'll ask it to Hannah just to see, you know, how she wants to respond to this person. Hannah, somebody says, they feel great overall. Okay. I feel great overall, but noticed I'm suddenly feeling really fatigued after only a couple glasses of wine and my hair is graying. I'm 40 years old. Will testing give me insight into why the sudden changes? So I think the key 
to this question is, you know, kind of going back to what Dr. Drobot said a few minutes ago about Jim. Jim felt great, but then suddenly, you know, the next year, Jim had some diagnosis. When somebody asks you, I suddenly feel different, how can you respond to them about true diagnostic testing and what they might be looking for? Yeah, that's going to be a little hard, to be honest, right? Because we don't have a baseline. We don't have a test when they felt great. And that's what's Mm -hmm. wrong with medicine, right? We do a sick care model. We say, oh, shoot, I feel so bad now, right? Um, What's wrong with me? We don't say, hey, I feel super healthy right now. I need to take the initiative and and do preventative screening and and different testing. Um, And and then when we get the before and after, right? Like Dr. Drobot was saying that longitudinal-based testing, I would be able to give more insight, right? So it's it's a little bit more difficult. However, um, you know, maybe maybe zoning in on on the couple glasses of wine, right? We have uh, that alcohol kind of measurement that I I tested. So, um, you know, we we compare your self reported drinking with uh, a methylation risk score percentile, basically, you know, how you compare against the rest of the population. So, something that that this uh, you know person. Um, so something that may be happening is they their methylation markers may be more affected by alcohol than they think, right? So they could be feeling, you know, really bad. I don't know, maybe because of, of the wine, that's something we could dig in a little bit more on those reports. And of course, that's just one of the many, many insights you get. So um, it's it's a little hard not not having that that baseline, but you know, something could be going on. We could see maybe a faster pace of aging. Um, maybe there's some type of stressor going on. I know she said really or they said really fatigued, you know, only a couple glasses of wine, hair, grain. Um, so, so I, I would like to see the pace of aging, you know, see if there's something currently that is going on. Correct. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's always, you know, that's like somebody saying, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but that check just bounced. And so what do you think it was? And you're like, um, okay, let's look at the last like two years of bank statements. And I bet we could figure it out. Right. Like somebody's saying like, I'm already, I'm already broke. Like, can you, uh, can you see what happened? And it's like, well, you know, the whole point of doing like health assessment is to not wait until you're broke, right? It's just kind of like, everybody understands you do your taxes, like you're checking your bank account. And before you go broke, you usually do an intervention. Like you usually are, but if we don't have that in medicine, unfortunately, we don't have that, which we have it in finance, but we don't have it in medicine to say, you know, you're trending downwards, like cut your credit card off. And so that's, we get those all the time of, of the last desperate. Now, I'll tell you, you know, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, when people turn 40, hormones change. So there's so many different factors that come in where people say, well, that didn't bother me before, but it's like, well, that was 10 years ago, you know, and maybe we need to put something on or add something to allow you to do those things again and, and you know, mitigate the risk. And so life changes, right? Because you just need to, as you get older, like sometimes you need to do different things or you just need to add things to allow you to continue to do the same things that you thought you could do. But remember that electrical potential in those cells are different than they were. And hey, I'm I'm one of those people that I'm not really going to accept that, right? So I'm going to do different interventions so that I don't have to adjust myself to a rocking chair and drinking soup all day. Like that is not going to happen to me. Um, because I'm not interested in it, but, but you need to look under the surface and see, you know, why those things are happening. 
Well, I know that if we all live to be 150, um, Hannah's going to go jogging by my front door and, you know, you're definitely not going to be waving at me from your front porch in the rocking chair. So (laughs) again, it's not necessarily like the number of years. It's the number of the quality that you get. Like, again, I don't necessarily want to be like shoulder and knee replacements at 125 when my, you know, wife pushes me along. Like that's not really emotionally something that I want to do, but at 85, I I want to be able to look around and be like, hey, last man standing looking pretty good and, you know, and still enjoying my grandkids. That's that's a that's a quality of life. Absolutely. And Hannah, to build off of, you know, what you said, I think that looking at pacing makes the most sense because you just put it into a person's value system. It's like, what do you want your health span to look like? This is about how you feel now and suddenly you're faced with having to ask yourself, what you know, what are your values around health? What you know, what were you said? There's no baseline, so you could at least ask the person, well, how do you value health? How do you how do you see health? What does it mean to you? Let's start there and look at your, you know, age pacing. Might be an easy right. way in because it really does come down to so many people are still scared. There is something really approachable about true diagnostic, though. I've looked at so many different epigenetic tests, and a lot of them will just scare the living daylights out of people. (laughs) So there isn't anything scary about looking at true diagnostic, just literally the way that you feature the information. Um, But I I think that that makes sense to think of it in the context of, let's start here. You suddenly feel different. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to admit to yourself that you were doing something ahead of time, like Dr. Drobat just said, but at least you now have a new launch point that you can feel good about for sure. So speaking of feeling good, the last question that I got from the listeners is about pregnancy. So the question is, I plan to get pregnant in a couple of years. Autoimmune issues run in my family. Should I do the test? And based on what I find out, are there biological medical therapies to help prevent autoimmunity for me? So this is, again, another question you know, to both of you. So who wants to go first? Hannah, what do you think in terms of pregnancy? Yeah, I'll 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 take the the first half of of this one, but yes, yes, yes. Test yeah. absolutely. Um I, I don't know this person's chronological age, right? Um, but you know, being able to identify advanced aging um before pregnancy is something that we would want to work on reversing, right? Um and uh you know, I'm sure Dr. Drobot will answer the second part of the question, you know, if there was advanced biological aging, what therapies could help that, but more in the, the autoimmune realm. And we would definitely take a look at that, that intrinsic age, because that can be affected by autoimmune, um, in extrinsic, right. Extrinsic is the age of the, the immune system. So it it would play a part in both. Um, we even do something really cool in our reports. Uh, we do an immune cell subset, uh, measurement. So we, we look at a percentage of those free floating cells in the blood, um, which could, you know, be, be indicative of, of autoimmune diseases and disorders, you know, uh, hyperreactivity of the immune system. Um, even look at, you know, if, if you're going through some immunosenescence right now. So I, I love that part of the report. Again, it proves the, the concept of epigenetics, not just being biological age, right there. There are even experts saying this type of testing may overtake your conventional blood testing or your hormone panel testing in the next decade or so. That's a, a talk for a different time, but just wanting to stress that we we definitely give you insights uh, that could relate to your, your autoimmune uh, concerns. 
I love that. What do you think, Dr. Drobat? Ag- agreed and agreed. And, and <laughs> again, it's like nature's kind of figured it out. You know, that's why and we, if we all were honest, we'd say like, by the time you have your menstrual cycle, you're 13, you're supposed to have kids at 16 because your shelf life was much less. Now, financially, that doesn't work out. But making yourself younger or having healthier cells, obviously, like you're going to you're going to influence you're going to we know these from even preconception, like we can track all this stuff now and we can say, you know, this is definitely a an issue that we're having as we're having maybe children a little bit older or we're having, you know, the environment impact, you know, the health of, you know, kids, which wasn't a wasn't really an issue when I was growing up, but definitely looking at some of these things. And again, looking at some of, again, environmental toxic profiles. I mean, looking at some of these things, which are very malleable, they're not scary. And if you're having a, an issue, you know, the best, like one of the best treatments for autoimmune disease is pregnancy. Unfortunately, the product ends up being, you know, you have a, you have a child that you have to take care of for 30 years now. So I mean, it's not, a, not a great treatment, but you know, we know that hormone influences in your immune system when you have these things. I mean, there's things that are bothering your immune system. So you want to get those things cleared, cleared up. And, and again, looking at underneath the surface to see how your cells are reacting is a very good idea because you're making a product of your cells. You're passing some of these things on. So I mean, obviously, like I'm a I'm a big big proponent to to doing anything, and and when we're measuring, you know, eight, people are always scared again on that first, second, third number. Like you're not always gonna get an A, right? Hannah will tell you this. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't like the goal is not always to get A's and A pluses, and to put yourself in this tiny fishbowl where you're like thinking you're Benjamin Button and like look look how look I'm doing this and I'm doing this. It's like look. If at least you did nothing but do the test three times a year and look back at the end of the year and just evaluate, like, what am I doing to myself? Not changing anything, but what am I really doing to myself? It still is like a pretty good revelation as to what you'd want to do in the next five years. And so we're not like people go day to day on it. And it's not really intended to do that. They forget when these tests were done, there was an intervention. Right. There was just like we were just tracking people and seeing what they were doing. And then we just noticed that the people that weren't doing this just decreased their pace of aging. It wasn't like they were doing a bunch of different things. You know, we don't go to like a carry out blue zones and we say, like, look at all the extra things these people are doing. No, they were just doing simple things. So sometimes it's good to just look and say, well, you know, I know I did some stuff. Let's see what kind of tax it put on me. Okay. And then, you know, we, We just have these nice running things where you're looking and saying like, what am I doing to my machine? All right, next January 1st, I'm gonna just adjust a little bit. Then I'll test again. And again, this is very like, life is very forgiving. You know, if you go ahead and measure from 40 or 30 on, like you can just guaranteed you're gonna alter some things to move the number that will pay huge dividends in later decades. If you wait, until you have diseases, you will see how difficult it is to move these numbers or how much extra intervention you have to move these numbers. Sometimes just mindfulness and seeing the numbers enough to say, like I said, your bank account, I'm not gonna buy those 10 pairs of shoes. Like pretty simple, right? It just becomes very linear. And then the other, you know, the other side of looking at that, and Hannah can just 
kind of confirmed some of this is everybody's looking for that magic bullet. Like they're saying, you know, it used to be when I was coming up, it used to be growth hormone, right? I'm just going to bring a dirty subject in here and say like, oh, if you just do growth hormone injections, man, you are going to live to 150. And then the test came out, Hannah, and what did it say? What did the research say? Yeah, the, with the the trim trial, are you referring to? Yeah, what did the growth hormone when people were taking? What? How much did it move the numbers? Yeah, so I think it was a, a year and a half reversal over that that two and a half year period. I think it was like a net year reversal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you, you some of these things aren't going to be magic bullets, you know. And then we take little right. things like DHEA and fasting, and you look at some of these simple things, you're like, oh, geez, that moved the needle a little bit, but you don't hear about them. You know, as much as you hear about some of the fancier things, only maybe because they're fancy. But again, they were like little things over a long period of time that seem to have more of an impact in longevity than like major things. Now, I'm not saying that growth hormone doesn't have a lot of beneficial factors. I'm saying just like we all thought it was going to extend this biological age for an ex, you know extremely long period of time. And the results, frankly, ended up being a little disappointing. Something that I know definitely will pique people's interests. You both said something. Hannah, you brought up immunosenescence, which I could talk about forever. And Dr. Droba, you said a few minutes ago, um, oh, autoimmunity. Well, what's, you know, what's going to help that? Being pregnant. I don't think most people know that. So it would be so interesting to do pre-pregnancy testing of true diagnostic, do a pregnancy test uh, or not a pregnancy test, do true diagnostic while pregnant and then see, okay, based on that, what can we glean for the future? So does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's, that's a huge area of research. Um, I always say if, if I had like unlimited funds and could do any epigenetic test, like study or experiment, um, I would do, you know, pregnancy basically and measure methylation, like every, minute if I could, you know, obviously that's not feasible, but maybe like every two weeks or something during that term, um, because the changes are just profound there. There's so much that we need to uncover. I have a lot of autoimmunity in my chart, but I know it's not my uh, death sentence because I do what I do and (laughs) I live my life in a certain way. But I will say when I was pregnant, it was the best I've ever felt in my entire life. And I remember um, a year after having my daughter, I said, oh, that was such a beautiful memory of how good I felt. So there's, you know, a lot to it for sure. I think it's very, very intriguing for people to encapsulate that experience for sure. I mean, we always, yeah. We always look at the, the growth factors, right. That occur because it has to, right. you has to be a ton of growth factors going on a progesterone shoots to the moon cortisol levels are more you know, the, nature just takes care of you because it didn't used to be, you know, it used to be a hardship, right? So you had to get all this preparation for labor and delivery, which it was only 50-50. I mean, so really like females lived a lot longer than males for a lot smarter. And then they just got, if you have a lot of babies, which again, <laughs> today's not a great treatment, but you saw like you get to put your body under these growth factors for an extended period of time. And wow, like did it pay a lot of dividends. Now, like when we're measuring hormones, we're looking at all these things today when we're doing these, you know, what what goes into the to the age quote, like how do we adjust these age quotes? We usually notice that the people with the most balanced hormones win, 
right? So whether, I mean, unfortunately, again, the environment puts an extra burden on this. So we usually run through our hormones faster than we need to. And everybody's got Hashimoto's and this, that, and the other. Um, but it still comes down to like those growth factors. And when we're talking about, you know, extra cells, or we're talking embryonic cells or B cells, like we know that when we make big influence and big influences on things and pregnancy is the systemic influence. When we do those things, like we get a, get kind of a nice reset for a period of time. And again, probably not a good treatment because kids are stressful, but biologically and physiologically, it's beautiful. Hannah, I probably have some really good candidates for you to um, study if you if you want anybody for pregnancy. Yeah, definitely. Send them on over. I'll send them on over. Well, any last parting words of wisdom that either of you want to share with the audience? I think just, yeah, if you're if you're on the fence about it, just just do it, right? Uh, maybe just do the, the true age pace to start. Dip your toes in the water. Get a sense of, of what this testing might mean to your health. I think you know, it's very exciting. And as exciting as it is, it's as equally frustrating, I always say, because there's still a lot that we don't know, right? We don't know what we don't know. It's it's so new. We're still uncovering things every day. I'm learning just a multitude of, of you know, new research that that is available. So um, yeah, I think, I think just, you know, t- test early, trust it, see a, a healthcare provider like Dr. Drobot to um, work on regulating your methylation patterns and reversing your, your age outcomes. I love it. Well, thank you both so much for being here today and answering everybody's questions. Everyone just really wants to live smarter, not harder, and obviously happier and in more joy. And I think you really help break down what can seem otherwise daunting and complicated. So thank you both very much for that. Absolutely. Hannah, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and also True Diagnostic? Yeah, so you all can get in uh, touch with me. Um, just shoot me an email, Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H at truediagnostic.com, T-R-U, no E, and then diagnostic is singular. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at everything epigenetics, or you can go to everythingepigenetics.com and, and shoot me um, a little message there as well. But would love to talk to anyone who has questions. So please reach out. Awesome. And Dr. Drobot, what's the best way for people to get true diagnostic testing with you? Just come in and establish themselves as a member of the center? Absolutely. And again, we use that as kind of a, for people that are interested in longevity. I mean, that's, that's the baseline test. And then there's a number of tests that go under that because the numbers go into that large number. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's something you should put in your health file and just doesn't matter if you didn't do any sooner or later when you get the results back, it'll prompt you to do something. And I think that's the, uh, that's the beautiful thing about it is that, you know, these tests like COVID was kind of a good thing for us because we got to go like direct to consumer on some testing stuff. And so technology just kind of caught up that people became more self-aware and more interested in their health. And so I kind of said, like, you just, it's not, it's not like, a death sentence. Like if you end up being aging faster than you are now, it's just motivation. And you, by the way, you don't have to do anything about this, right? It's not like there's something growing in your body that's stage four. It's like, look, if you track these things as you go, um, it will just self prompt you to do things to correct the numbers. And, but you got to get in the game, right? If you don't get in the game then don't complain because <laughs> something's going to happen. And then you're, you missed your opportunity. So the person with the most information wins 
And it doesn't even mean that it's going to be a burden on you. It's like, it's just information. Take the information and make a few corrections and redo the test again and get in the club. We're trying to do get you in the club and then um, you'll get out of the medical club, which, uh, which you'll get in sooner or later, which can do amazing things, but you don't want to be in there with the diagnosis. Well, Hannah, you know that I call all my clients epigenetic upgraders, and I share a lot of clients with Dr. Drobot. And it, True Diagnostic has really made a big difference in how we can deliver care and how, honestly, we've been able to move from medicine to lifestyle. So it's it has really moved the needle mentally, emotionally for a lot of people, which gets them to then you know, do all the things that maybe they should have been doing for years. So thank you for your contribution here into epigenetics. And thank you both for being here today. I'll talk to you both more soon. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right.